I'm Bob Johnson in Los Angeles, and I want to welcome you to Classic Movie Reviews, which are available on iTunes if you look under Classic Movie Reviews, and on www.classicmoviereviews.net, and you can also find us on Facebook if you uh, search for Classic Movie Reviews. This is a fun day for me. It's a departure from our usual classic movie reviews. Today we have two very special guests joining us on our podcast. The writing team of Karen Kavner and Gene Miller, who after a successful career writing for television, have recently published their debut and psychological page-turner, the novel entitled Unraveled. Unraveled is an outstanding, beautifully written story about love, pain, dissociate identity disorder, baseball, and redemption. And it's told with a unique combination of compassion and wit. Unraveled is available on Amazon, selected Barnes and Noble locations, as well as downloads from Kindle and Nook. So it's indeed a pleasure today to welcome both Jean and Karen to our podcast. Thank you, Bob. It's a real pleasure to be here. It's also been fun to get to know you outside of our podcast. Same here. I first uh, met Gene when he was a uh, is a fitness buddy here at the Saban at the Motion Picture Television Fund, and uh, I consider them my friends. And they were kind enough to join us today on our podcast. So this will be fun and spontaneous. <laughs> uh, before we talk about the novel, well, I think it might be interesting if. Uh, for our listeners, if, if uh, you could uh, tell us a little bit about how you started writing for television and if writing was something that you always knew you wanted to do. Well, not exactly. I mean, when I was growing up in Forest Hills in New York, I can remember writing little stories on occasion and putting words on paper to express my feelings about people and things that I didn't necessarily want to say out loud. And in the summer, when school was out, we'd put together little plays uh, that myself and some of the kids in the neighborhood uh, would perform in our backyard in front of a makeshift curtain that was strung across a clothesline for our parents and friends. But uh, when I was accepted to the High School of Performing Arts in Manhattan and then went on to Hofstra University on a drama scholarship, I was pretty sure that my future lay in acting on TV and in film, um, not writing for it. Uh, I did, however, take a postgraduate class in creative writing at Hunter College in Manhattan. But it wasn't until I came out to California and met Jean, who was already a working writer, that I began to focus on a future as a writer, as a career. My journey to Hollywood was a little different than most. Um, I grew up in New York City, and yes, I love television, watched it pretty much as much as I could, you know, in between doing my homework. But uh, growing up, I, I never really had a desire to be a writer. But what I did have a desire for, as long as I cr uh, could remember, was to live in a warm climate. So right after high school, I applied to the University of Hawaii and a life in paradise, and it was just that, paradise. I majored in psychology, earning a master's degree in clinical psych, and on the side, I dabbled in acting and also wrote a, a few original one-act plays that the students performed in the lab theater at the university, and they were very well received. And I said, wow, I think I've got something here. And uh, you could say I kind of got the writing bug. And all of a sudden, these crazy thoughts started creeping into my head about leaving Hawaii for Hollywood and trying my hand at television, mainly sitcoms, because I, I thought I had a bit of a sense of humor. 
Um, I wanted to be a sitcom writer, so I I consulted my mother and everyone else I knew. Um, everyone thought I was crazy and tried their best to dissuade me from uh, embarking on something so uh, ludicrous. So I took their opinions into consideration, then immediately went out and bought an airline ticket for California. But unfortunately, the first couple of years that I was here, it was a rough go. You know, um, I wrote a, a handful of sample scripts, spec scripts. And for those of you who don't know what a, uh, a spec script is, it's, it's a script of popular shows that are on television to see how well you could mimic the characters, uh, your knowledge of story, and if you can write for, for television. And with... Um, with the hopes that uh, you can get an interest from an agent or possibly get the uh, script itself to be uh, pub um, uh, produced outright. But unfortunately, no one was interested. So discouraged, uh, I took some time away from writing and went back to New York to visit my family. And uh, there I, I read a, uh, about a well-known author who was teaching a writing class. So I immediately jumped at the chance, and I was very lucky to get in. And he gave me a bit of advice that turned everything around. He said, you will never be successful trying to write in someone else's style or writing another person's vision. He said, you have to write something you're passionate about, something from your gut, something that's embedded in, in your soul. So I returned to Los Angeles and searched my soul for an original idea. Then I thought of my father, who I really never knew. My father died when I was two years old. And I said, wow, this, this would be an interesting thing. So for the next six months, I embarked on a screenplay about a kid who never knew his dad but learned all about him from the colorful people who lived in the neighborhood. Well, the next thing I knew, I got a call from an agent. And pretty soon, I started writing not sitcoms, but one-hour television dramas for a number of uh, one-hour television shows, and a good number of them became hits. I think it would be interesting for our listeners if you mentioned some of the shows that you both wrote for. Uh, initially, before Karen and I partnered up, uh, the first show that uh, uh, I ever did was a show called The Equalizer with oh, uh, Ad Edward, Edward Woodward. Woodward yes. yes. And uh, that was a terrific show to write for. And they uh, subsequently, in the past couple of years, made uh, a screenplay with Denzel Washington as, as the equalizer. And, and from there, that led to a little stint on Moonlighting and uh, Crime Story, uh, Cagney and Lacey. Also, in my travels, I, uh, th through my agent, met with Sylvester Stallone. He wanted to do a pilot about the ancillary characters uh, from his original Rocky movie. I wrote a pilot for NBC. Unfortunately, it, it, uh, it uh, didn't have legs and it didn't go, and it was a tough market that year. But uh, And then Karen and I started, and we kind of went back and forth writing for sitcoms. We were on a show called Rock, which was on Fox, Living Single. Mm -hmm. And but I, I and we were also in uh, uh, spent a year in uh, Cabo uh, with Fred Dreyer, who was Hunter, and we did oh, a show right. in Mexico. Uh, but I think the most fun we had working together was a show called Lois and Clark: The Adventures of Superman, mm -hmm. and uh, 
that was which that was, was a, a, great a one hour drama, but it was also with a comedic flair to it. It wasn't you know as serious uh, as as some of the uh, crime story or the Equalizer. It didn't take itself quite as seriously, and that's when we began to realize that you can actually slide from one genre into another uh, if what you're bringing with you uh, is the characters because for both of us it's always kind of been about that story is very important but story comes from the characters that you're involved in i remember I reading I, that you had written for miami vice yep did you ever have one of those suits that don johnson wore <laughs> no i did not <laughs> Darn. I, I, I always wanted one of those yeah <laughs> <laughs> no but on occasion when it'd be writing for someone who had one of those mustaches you yeah. know he would grow one you know <laughs> and it made for interesting uh, um motivations i suppose <laughs> to get into the feel of the character where he was writing about i i had a couple of additional questions um is it more difficult to break into the writing for motion pictures is that a is that an entire difference yes it it, it it's a, it's a lot harder because i always looked at tv uh television is like a shuttle it keeps coming uh it it comes up and there are a lot of shows there are a lot of opportunities we've done both we were staff writers along with freelance each show uh if they're if lucky has 22 episodes some have 13 episodes but there is a lot of work where in, in uh, the movie industry, there's just X amount of movies that each studio puts out every year. It's very competitive, uh, and there aren't a, a lot of opportunities like there are in television. For writers, yeah. Yes, for writers. A second question kind of related to that is, did you find that would, you would be writing scripts for more than one television show at the same time you might be doing this one and then you set that aside or is that not possible to do when we were working as writers specking out scripts is different but when we were actually on an assignment we never really had simultaneous two shows writing at the same time we may have had two episodes that we might have been working on one that um had us credited as the writers and yet being part of a writing staff that had responsibilities to sort of uh, work on other people's scripts as well that were part of the team. When you when you write on a TV show, more often than not, uh, it's kind of a group effort, regardless of whose name okay. is on the script, uh, teleplay. Um, that's how it works. You know, the writer may have the idea for it, but it's kicked around, uh, and if not storyboarded, but it's boarded out as far as uh, where the storyline is going. Uh, so that it's more of a, a group effort. Again, uh, whereas writing for a film uh, initially starts out as a more singular uh, effort and endeavor. It doesn't always end up that way. Right. Because quite okay. often other writers... And, and, and like the, the collaborative effort, which is uh, uh, in both one hour and half hour, but in half hour, when you finish your uh, first draft, you bring it to the table, as it were, and all the writers sit around the table. And, and rip it apart. <laughs> and it's, yeah, and basically yeah. rip it apart, and it's okay, page one, uh, this joke here, can we find something funnier? Yeah. And if if a lot of times, if you could get 10 to 20% of your original work in that script that you did, um, that's 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 terrific. Fascinating. You know? We could, do, we could do a separate podcast I'm just on this. Yes. Well, why don't we move on to our main subject for today. Uh, I've read Unraveled, 
My brother's read Unraveled. My oldest son has read Unraveled. I haven't checked in with my youngest son, but so I'm sure he has as well. Family. The Johnson yes. yeah, family. Uh, <laughs> it's an amazing and engrossing story. I love it. Thank I you. love the book. Maybe you could give us kind of a taste of some of the twists and turns and, and nuances that, that uh, are within Unraveled. You know, Un- Unraveled is a, a story about uh, Billy Rubin, who is a gifted college athlete who, on the brink of superstardom, starts to experience strange and unexplainable events that slowly derail his promising career, destroy his personal relationship, and almost cause him to lose his life. When he, when he hits rock bottom and, and has lost everything, he goes out looking for answers. Uh, he returns to his hometown of Chicago and checks himself into a psychiatric facility, thinking he's losing his mind, hoping to get his career back. But not only his career, he's hoping to get his life back. There he meets an array of fascinating personalities that alter his life in ways he could have never imagined, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, there he is under the care of a psychiatrist, a caring therapist, and the residents, uh, he's befriended by the residents of the facility to help him, you know, in, in his journey. Um, uh, like you said, the book is loaded with twists and turns. It's, uh, it's got humor, emotional heartbreak, and a shocking ending, which, <laughs> Uh, which was a reason why it took us a little longer than we wanted because it was it, it was it was uh, an arduous it's task to conceal the the, the ending and uh, hopefully that the readers will go along for this ride and hopefully what we're looking for is when they reach that that the ultimate twist is that they're shocked and surprised and they go back a second time and they want to look at how we actually pulled off what we did. Well, you read it, so did you see things coming? <laughs> or I have to be honest, I, I did not see the ending coming at all. Right, and we also don't want people to pick up the book and just read the last few chapters <laughs> first, because what we really hope that we accomplished uh, is that we made the journey to get to through the book entertaining, um, exciting, funny, uh, moving, uh, and also informative because we do deal uh, to some extent with various mental disorders, uh, not just uh, since he winds up in a mental institution, not just his alone. And and this is a, an area and an arena that I've always found fascinating. And of course, Jean has a background in psychology, so um, that certainly was very helpful. But we've all known people, and in, particularly in today's society, there are so many things in the news that seem inexplicable. And when uh, the possible origin of it may be nothing more than an individual's mental disorder or an inability to perceive the world as the rest of us would like them to. So hopefully there's also a bit of um, learning involved in this and some understanding towards uh, what people who are suffering from these kind of conditions live with on a regular basis and how um, it's possible to overcome it. Um, and that's part of the journey of the book. Yes. I was reminded as I was reading it of a movie that I'd seen in the late 50s, uh, The Three Faces of Eve mm-hmm. with Joanne Woodward. I believe she won an Academy Award for that. 
yeah. has some of the same themes in that. Um, I think Sybil is another Sybil, Sybil yeah. example. Right. Yeah. You know. Well, just a little bit more here, and again, I'm, I'm going to be very careful that I don't <laughs> go too far. Uh, Billy Rubin is such an intriguing and flawed, complex character. I kind of found myself going back and forth uh, between hating him and rooting for him mm-hmm. to come out on top, sort of like, you know, in, in uh, Roy Hobbs in, in The Natural, the movie The Natural. And uh, it was like a roller coaster ride. Well, actually, you kind of hit on it by saying a flawed character in some ways, which to both Jean and myself is far more interesting to write about someone uh, who isn't perfect, who isn't, who, who maybe even falls in the category of an anti-hero. Uh, even though he is the protagonist of our story, um, there's just so many more things to explore about somebody who may, on the surface, appear to have it all, to be the perfect super athlete, to be big man on campus, to be the man uh, every woman wants and every man wants to be like, who actually is not um, even half of, of those things in reality and what the struggle is, inner struggle and outer struggle is like for someone like that. So, I mean, it's always much more interesting to write about people like that. A lot of times in television, you don't get that opportunity. You don't get the opportunity. One yeah. of the things that's attracted me to uh, motion pictures is that you can go find a movie about a flawed character. Mm-hmm. It takes a little research, but... sure. And those are the ones that I really enjoy. So that may also have been a part of what drew, drew me into the book. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I think I might have said to Gene one day in the uh, Saban that, or if I did, didn't, I meant to, all these things got in the way of my reading the book. We're remodeling, and I've got work, <laughs> yeah. and I think, like, I stop, I want to go back and read the book. Right. Well, so, um, yeah, we, we did have some people who left reviews, uh, like on Amazon or something, where they started out reading it. It is something that kind of... Not grows on you, but pulls you in after a while. And uh, there were a couple of people who said that they would just, you know, read a few chapters before going to sleep at night. And a couple of people complained because they wound up staying up till four in the morning (laughs) because they couldn't stop reading it at Uh, some point. It kind of builds uh, in the book. That's a sign Um, of what makes it such an excellent story. I hope so. That somebody would stay up and... I know. Um, Exactly. I had a couple of questions that we kind of talked about the other day on the phone. Um... Did it take you a long time to write the novel? Once we we got into it, once we knew where we were going, I think it took us two years. I wanted to do a baseball novel, so I, I kept thinking about it, which took a while. And I dug into my background and my psychology background, and I thought, wow, what if our protagonist was a star baseball player who all of a sudden lost everything, his career, um, his relationships, almost losing his life because of a mental illness. And I said that would really put a lot of meat on the bones. And so... I started writing it, and Karen... Well, well, Karen asked me if I wanted to write it with him, and and to be quite honest, I have a lot of interest in a lot of things, but baseball wasn't really high on my list. (laughs) You know, I've come to appreciate it, and I've learned all kinds of terminology that I never knew existed, uh, like on this... Oh, it's a world of its own. I know. But I really, it wasn't one that I thought I had that much affinity for, because even early on, uh, when in California, Gene took me to a baseball game in Anaheim, 
Man or something, or Dodger Stadium. No, the one. It was an Anaheim. All I know Angels, is yeah. it was a night game, and when, as soon as the lights went on, there were a thousand moths, and I spent the night batting away moths. So I had even less <laughs> of an interest in, in writing about baseball. But so I said, you know, thank you, but no thank you. You know, it's your dream, it's your thing. Go ahead and write it. And he did. He started. Yeah, I started writing it. And when I uh, I got to uh, High Water, which is the psychiatric facility, I had her read what I was doing and she was looking at it. She said, this is pretty good, but I have a way to really make it. Well, actually, the way that it happened is he was just trying to come up. It was a minor point. He was just trying to come up with one more... um, personality uh, who was a resident at this institution that could react or be involved with our main, his main character. And he was just looking for various psychological disorders of any kind. You know, uh, you could have severe depression, you could have schizophrenia. And so he was sort of running out of medical issues. And he said, well, can you come up with something? Just I need a little help here. And I said, well, and I threw out a few. And he said, nah, I don't know. And then I sort of went off and did something else. And then I, I had like an epiphany. And I came back in and I said, well, I have an idea I wanted to run by you. I said, I don't know if you're interested. It's your book. You know, I'll leave it up to you. But it might be interesting. And I said, what if? And I'm not going to go into it. But it was a specific <laughs> direction to take yeah. the book. And he listened and he said, that would be fascinating. That would be great. He said, but you know what? I don't think we can do that. I, I can't do that. I don't see how that can work with the book. You know, I, that's impossible to write it that way. But I said, it was very, for some reason, it was very clear of how, mm-hmm. I said, it's not that hard. You just, you know, I know how to do it. And he said, really? And he said, no, it can't be done. I said, it can. And he said, well, then show me. And that was the day yeah, and, that and, and, and I became because, the co-author of this book. Yeah, and because of the uh, the relationships and how it changed Billy Rubin, it became a whole different book. And the book that I started to write is not the book that it, that became. it became. Well, one little example of that is early on in, in the uh, writing and in the discussion of where the book would go, uh, I felt that our main character, Billy, needed to have a love interest. And I also was interested in bringing in a little more of the f- feminine side uh, to this book. Eventually, as you know, uh, the character of Julie Hatcher becomes one of uh, an important character in this book. Very definitely. And uh, as do several other ancillary characters that started out relatively minor, uh, but became more integral to the story itself. It's not exactly an ensemble story, but we do uh, explore. We, we don't just give lip service or one-dimensional one aspects to the characters that our main character is involved with. I think that's um, one of the things I really enjoyed about the novel. They were multidimensional, and there were an ensemble of people. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, I really got into some of these folks in terms of what they were and oh so uh, uh, were there high points in your writing where you thought oh this is great it's <laughs> the best thing i've ever done and there are low points like i just am sick of doing this or well, not no there were both i would have <laughs> even to- <laughs> at the same time maybe <laughs> well there were some chapters um and in this instance i can only speak for myself but when it was completed whether something that i had written or that we had written together 
Uh, and I, we can. That was something I know you wanted to know how the process is. We could explain that, but there were moments when I won't say you put down the pen because we don't write like that anymore. But you step back from the computer screen and you look at it and you go, "Wow, that it if it moved us um, emotionally or." To, to some degree gave us a sort of a catharsis after reading it, then we knew we had something really good there. You don't feel that way after every chapter you write. You don't feel that way after every line of dialogue. But every once in a while, magic happens inside your own head. Um, and it's very satisfying as a writer. It does happen in television, too, but not not as often, I don't think. Well, you had more, you didn't have the time constraints that you would have. Right, the time constraint, and also we didn't have the page constraint. Because usually when you're writing for a half hour or one hour, there's X amount of pages that you really have to keep to. And especially the scenes. The scenes have to be two and a half, three, three and a half pages where it was very freeing to where you could, we could go off on a tangent, we could tell side stories which really added to the color of the the, the book and the characters. And um, it was nice for once not to have the interference of network executives uh, or studio heads or, or showrunners show that uh, always kind of reined us in and we could kind of just just flow with it and have a good time and laugh and cry and... Uh, and enjoy what we were doing, and um, it was it was it was a it was a terrific experience. And there was no reason to be concerned about when the commercial breaks <laughs> come no. in, you know, or necessarily leaving cliffhangers so that people would come back after the the half hour break on a television show. You, you could just indulge your your creative desires, which is actually what we did. You had mentioned something about the characters uh, in the book. For us. In writing it, writing the story, very more often than not, the characters will direct where you're going in the story. Uh, and so the most vital thing, the most important part of, of any kind of writing is to have real people, real characters that you can relate to that are, um, as I mentioned before, fully, more fully fleshed out so that there's never a question of knowing what they're going to do next because it just comes yeah, organically out of it. And, and that is similar in writing for some television shows, particularly the quality shows that are on the air and particularly the one hours. Um, when the characters are so defined, um, either by very talented writers who have written them or by the virtue of the fact they've been on for years, and we all sort of feel we know these people. Mm-hmm. You know ahead of time what they're going to say, what they're going to do, because they're real to you. And eventually, the more we wrote, the more we put down on paper, so many of these characters became real for us. We lived with them. For know, two I, years. Yeah, yeah exactly. Lived, you know what was a very interesting phenomenon, which is kind of hard to explain? How we did it was we would we would look at a chapter and we would discuss what needed to go into that chapter. But a good amount of time, there were things in the chapter that took us in a direction which we didn't discuss. As I read it, it, it was seamless. 
Oh, thank they you. moved along. It really thank was. You. There were chapters that we <laughs> eliminated <laughs> along the way. And rewriting is every bit as important as the writing, and there was plenty of yeah. that. <laughs> so when you when you finished the novel and you said, "Okay, this is kind of it." Did you celebrate? Did you go out to dinner? Did you just go for a walk? Did you scream? Well, I don't know that... <laughs> or all of the above. For the longest time, we never allowed ourselves to say it was finished. And it got to a point eventually uh, when Jean would literally have to like drag me out of the room kicking and screaming and saying, Stop! <laughs> don't re- you, don't change that line of dialogue, you know. Because I, every time I'd read, I'd say in my ear, you know, I would hear them say slightly different, and I say, "Well, maybe I just want." To, and he said, "You don't have to change a word, uh, you know, in dialogue. Leave it as it is." And so, knowing when it's done, it's like having a child. You, you know, you have to say, nine months are over. I've gone That's through it. the labor." Here's the baby. I mean, we, we could have. You have yeah. to let it go. <laughs> we know. could have continued for another we'd be, year. <laughs> we'd still be right. This has been so much fun. I, we appreciate uh, the opportunity. Yeah, and and hopefully uh, your listeners will go out and experience Unraveled. That's the perfect segue for uh, my thanking you for being here, Karen and Jean, and You're uh, for Thank being you. on the podcast. Thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure. Again, Unraveled is available at select Barnes & Noble's locations, Amazon, on you can download it on your, for your Kindle or for your Nook. And I would encourage everyone who's listening to us to read Unraveled because you're going to love the book. I guarantee it. For classic movie reviews, this is Bob Johnson in Los Angeles wishing everyone happy movie watching.